This is Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. We are located at 100 North Lake Avenue. Our Sunday morning services start at 1045 a.m. Sunday school is at 930 a.m. You can find out more information about First Baptist Church at fbcap.net. You're listening to our current Sunday morning series, Who Are We? We have been in the book of Titus and we have been uh, looking at this idea as we look at the church of answering this question, who are we? And we have taken that and looked at it in, in many different contexts of who are we as a Christian and who are we as a believer and uh, as a church. And so what I want us to think about this morning, you ask yourself, who are we? I want us to think about it from the standpoint of where we were last week in Titus. And we were looking at the older men and the, the older women and the younger men and the younger women. And we were looking at the idea that a church really is a family. And I want us to think about this morning the importance of belonging to a church family. In our current day and age, and I think it touches a lot of different areas, we don't seem to have the the level of of commitment that we once had in different things. Uh, I always use this in my mind. Uh, Growing up, we had a a full-service gas station on every corner. And, And Mr. Milam, he ran the Gulf Station. And uh, we, were, we were friends with Mr. Milam, and he had the Gulf Station, and we just got gas at the Gulf Station because Mr. Milam was there, and I knew that, well, I didn't drive then, and I knew, my family knew he'd take care of the car and look at them, and they trusted them. I don't think my parents drove around town and checked out all the gas prices. We just went to Milam Gulf. A little different these days, isn't it? You know, we, we're constantly looking for the better deal, the best price, the best thing, the, and I don't mean this in a negative context, but it is somewhat negative, kind of what's in it for me. And we've, we've lost the idea of just being committed to something because we believe in that something, and that's just kind of what we do. There's some pluses to that. We don't really get tied down by anything, and it, it keeps the, the business world on its toes. But the sad thing is, I think it's also happened in the church. And we see in our current culture this lack of commitment to the body of Christ, a church family. I was listening to a very popular interview, a podcast interview about church leadership, and a very well-known pastor made this comment. He said, we we realize the demographics of our attendees, and and he's in a, a large church in the deep south in a big city. He said, we realize the demographics of our attendees, and we began to cater our ministries, cater our announcements, and cater everything we did based on those demographics. So I'm, I'm anxious to hear what these demographics are. He said this, our typical attendee attends once 15 times a year. So their, their typical church attendee visits the church 15 times a year, a little more than once a month. And so they began to cater their ministries and things to meeting that. Well, the, the podcast was to be encouraging to help churches understand how to reach the laws. It broke me that we've gotten to a point that the church has become something that we do 15 times a year. I want us to think about church from this standpoint. I want us to think about, I think, what the biblical idea of a church is. And that is simply this. We're a family. And and we belong as a family. If you look at at the New Testament, the New Testament church was a group of people that came together. They they wanted to be there. Uh, a, A word you could say, they did life together. And I think that's sad that if we ever get to a point as a church that we're trying to do things to reach people and more convenience instead of understanding, you know, what we need to do is to do what we need to do to be the family that we need to be. So as we look at 1 Corinthians, I chose the entire book of 1 Corinthians. You're excited about going through the entire book of 1 Corinthians in 30 minutes plus? We're a family, so it doesn't matter, amen? But we, who are we? We are a family. When we come to know Christ, I think it's important that we join a church and we become part of that family. A story I've told several times, and I'll keep telling it because it just fits. 
I was standing over in the office one day, and, and Judy was going through the mail, and she said, oh, and she opened up this letter, and she goes, it's a request for church membership for your daughter, and she didn't know how to react. And I said, well, where's it from? She said, it's from the church in Albany, Georgia. I said, and she was kind of waiting to see how I'd react because Emily is my daughter. And she uh, was, you know, you would think she'd be at a membership where her dad is. And I said, isn't that exciting? Emily left the home for six months to eight months. She was working on a political campaign in Albany, Georgia. And she realized I need to belong to a family when I'm away from my family. So she took her church membership from her father's church. And she joined First Baptist Church, Albany, Georgia. And so Judy said, well, I never thought about it that way. I said, well, no, that she needs that family. She's not with her family, but she still needs a family. A, a Christian needs one another. And so I want us to look at 1 Corinthians, and I want us to be able to look at Scripture. And my hope is that we understand why it's so important to belong to the family. Because I say this, and I think you get it. Our singing up to this point, you can't do this at home by yourself. I mean, our, our prayers, we don't do this at home. Me walking around and talking to people, and I walk around my house, it drives my wife crazy, but I do walk around my house aimlessly like that when we're by myself. But I don't get to engage with my family when I'm home by myself. What we're doing this morning, you can't do anywhere else. We do this as a family. We know that. But wouldn't it be great if the rest of the world knew that? Turn to 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to move as quickly as I can, led by the Spirit. I'll move as quickly as the Spirit moves me. How about that? 1 Corinthians, beginning there in verse 1. Who are we? We're a family. Notice 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I, I prayed and I looked and I perused Scripture, and I was praying for the Lord to show me in the context. I didn't want to jump all over the New Testament, but I said, Lord... Show me in your word a great point that we can see how important the local church is as a family. And so 1 Corinthians was written to the church of Corinth. Now, as you read all of 1 Corinthians, there's some great things going on. There's some things not so great going on. There's a lot of things going on in the church. And it reminded me, you know what? We are a family. And I think 1 Corinthians is a great place for understanding what it means to belong to the family, what it means to be a member of a church, what it means to be committed to something. Chapter 1, verse 1, Paul called by the will of God to an, by an apostle of Jesus Christ and our brother Sothenus. Notice verse 2, to the church of God, notice this, that is in Corinth. Now a lot of times when we get to the introductions of these letters and we just kind of fly through it, this was a letter written to the church of God. It's God's church in a particular area in Corinth. Now, there, there are two different churches going on in the world today. There's a universal church. That is everybody that is a born-again believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what heaven's going to look like. When we get to heaven, we walk into pearly gates. You look at it this way. The, the pearly gates of heaven is the front door, the big front door of church. And everybody that's been born again is going to be in heaven. That's the universal church. Those are the people all over the world right now that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's also a local church, a specific group of people that is gathering in a specific place for a specific purpose. This letter was written to a specific church. God has inspired his word, and it is for the universal church. But the letter of 1 Corinthians was written to a group of people that gathered together that followed the Lord, that believed in one another, and they had a purpose for gathering. To the church that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, notice this word, together. Don't miss that. The church is the people of God that are sanctified, that are set apart. Sanctified means to be growing in holiness. We think about sanctification. But to be sanctified, it comes from the word holy. We are set apart. It's that special thing. I always use uh, wife stuff as that stuff. Fine china. Think about the fine china you get when you got married. Husbands, when you walk into the house on a, on a night or an evening and the fine china is out, you know something's going on. I always know somebody's coming over. Very rarely to share and pull out the fine china just for me. To be sanctified is to realize how special you are to God. You are saved, you are redeemed, but don't miss this, you are His. 
I think a lot of believers today don't feel the worth they need to feel. Well, we don't need to find our worth in anything but knowing this. We are special in the eyes of the Lord, and He loves us. And when we think about the local church, and we're committed to a church, and we're part of a church, and as we say down here, this side of heaven, we're members of a church, we are saying we are the church of God that is sanctified, that is set apart, notice the word, together. We are together. God has set us apart together. Called to be saints. Called to be different. Called to be special. Called to be different from the world that we are called out of. We're not dead anymore. We are alive. We are saints in the eyes of the Lord. With all those who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Isn't it kind of neat to think about that? That anytime you meet somebody that's a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you know the same thing. Have you ever met somebody and you're trying to engage in an evangelistic conversation? One of the first things I always go to is church. Do you go to church anywhere? Sometimes I'll talk to somebody and I'll say, well, do you go to church anywhere? Well, I love when somebody comes over to the house, like the poor cable guy the other day. I mean, he's in the house. He can't go anywhere. I got to sign the ticket. He's mine. So do you go to church anywhere? Well, when they start with well, you know, we get, we, we're fixing to get somewhere with it. Well, I know. I grew up. And so then it becomes, a, but you need to. You know, we talked about it. So that conversation, you're, you're kind of feeling like he doesn't get it, and you're trying to help him get it. What, if it. what if the cable guy said this? Well, do you go to church anywhere? Yes, I do go to church somewhere. I love my church. I sing in the choir. I serve. We got a great church. You need to come to our church. Well, I know, but I pastor. That doesn't matter. You need to come to our church. Now, that encourages me. That is where I say, this dude gets it. Church is his life, his, his, his body, the way he serves, the one another's. We're in this together. A great way to see where somebody is spiritually is encourage them about their understanding of their church. We're in this together. We do church. This, this is something that we can never do alone. We're individuals to the church, to the individual saints, to the individual that is sanctified. But notice this, we are saints together. We are individuals as church people, as church members, but yet we're together. I look at church membership that way. You, you'll hear me say at the end of our service, if, you, if you're praying about being part of the church family, and I will say this, I think, based on the authority of God's word, and I mean this in a very loving way, if someone is born again and they are a believer, they need to be committed to a local church. Because being a Christian is not something we do as individuals. Being a Christian is something that we do together. Have you ever noticed Christ? It was always come and follow him. It was always meeting together. It was always doing things together. Christianity is biblically is not meant to be alone. We should not live life alone. We live life as individuals, but we do life together. I encourage people to find a place they can do life together. Secondly, look at verse 10. Those for me with 1 Corinthians, they had some issues going on, but truth be told, if uh, every church, I think, anywhere has got things that need to be dealt with. That's just part of living life this side of heaven. Look at verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. Now, I can make light of that and say, well, obviously, he's not talking to a Baptist church or a Methodist church or a charismatic church or any other church. We can't all agree on anything. I appeal to you, brothers. Notice the terminology there. Brothers, we're part of the family. By the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I appeal to you as family by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? We're brothers and sisters in Christ. I appeal to you, I urge you by the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, by who Christ is, I appeal to you by the gospel that all of you agree. Who is all? Everybody in Corinth, everybody in the church. There's this purpose here. We all need to agree. We're all together. That we all, there'll be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. 
Now, for the sake of time, I'm not reading the rest. You can read the rest. There are things that are going on. There's divisions that are going on. They're divided over who led them to the Christ, who they need to follow. Is it Apollos? Is it Paul? That's a great uh, segue to, for us to understand a lot of divisions in our church. I think a lot of divisions in our church take place because we focus up here. I go to church because of the pastor. I go to church because of the choir. I go to church for what takes place from pews forward. And I think that's what that pastor was saying. Church is from the pews forward. Everything that we do as a church is up here to keep people coming back. I think I read an article somewhere, and I don't know how it was worded, but it was, it was coming together with the words worship and entertainment. And I think it said something about worship tainted. Trying to combine the two words or something. And they were saying that if we're not careful, we turn worship into entertainment. Come back and you'll hear it again. Come back and experience it again. And so to me, it's like church is from the pews forward. It's all about up here. And even this division was taking place kind of had to do with that. It's about a Paul. It's about Apollos. It's about those people. And Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, No, 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 no. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters in Christ, by the Lord Jesus Christ. There should be no divisions among you. We're one. We are one body in Christ. It goes so much more than multi-generational, the old, the young, the young, the old. We looked at the other week. But we have to realize that the desire for the Lord is absolute unity, oneness as the body of Christ because we are a family. We are made up of different generations. We are made up of different people. Just in Avon Park alone, there are all kind of different things going on in our society, different aspects of life and sociological things that we, as a church member, as part of this church, it is oneness and unity. Now let's look at these points in this way. You can't find that anywhere else. You can't find the idea of, of individuals yet together outside the church. You can't truly find this oneness and unity. Look at what I've read. That all agree, united in same mind and judgment, not personalities, not programs, not prestige, not pride, not the things that divide us as people, but we come together under the name and the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of my favorite pictures in Revelation, in Revelation 4, 8, and 11, is what are they doing? They're at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're doing what? They are worshiping Him. It's not about them. It's always about the Lord. Church is not about you. Church is not about me. Church is not about our music. Church is not about the stuff we do. True biblical worship is about who? Him. And so we pray that we have a pastor that's going to point us to him. We pray that we have a choir that's going to point us to him. We pray that we have a, an usher and greeter ministry that points us to him, that our small groups point us to him, that our deacons point us to him. See, it's not about us. There should be no division over things that pertain to us. But being part of a church, as we understand, we are all together. What unites us, notice verse 10. I appeal to you by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What unites us is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're individuals, yet we're together. We are a family. There's oneness and there's unity. Why be part of a church? Why join a church? Because we become one when we identify with the church. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. One of the key things that is missing in our understanding of what it is to be part of a church, because again, the world would say we attend church. Think of it as a family. We are part of a family. We are part of a, of a, of a family household. And so we don't just attend church. We are part of a church. We have created church membership. Uh, so that that helps with that. I do think that being committed and being a member of a church is biblical for these reasons. We're individuals, yet we're together. There's a sense of unity and oneness that we cannot find anywhere else. But here's the main thing. I guess you could say point number three. It is only by being part of the church that we can ever grow spiritually in the way the Lord would have us. John 15, the, the, the Jesus talking about, I am the vine. What happens if you're not abiding in the vine? You dry up. 
I tell you a little pastor secret. You ready for a pastor secret? Somebody comes to me and they say, Pastor, I'm just having a tough go of it. There's a lot of things that are going on. What I do is I gather data. The hardest thing about me being counseling is I have to listen. For those that know me, get that. I have to listen and gather data. So I'm listening and I'm gathering data and I'm listening and I'm listening and I'm listening and I'm listening. First thing that comes out of my mouth, two, two, two things come out of my mouth. Their relationship with Christ, the assurance of salvation. And then once they have that assurance of salvation, the next thing I ask them is, where are you growing in a local church? It is amazing the number of times. It is well in the 80 and 90 percentile. The number of people that are just having daily struggles that they just can't seem to get over. All of us have struggles. And the reason why they're having these struggles over and over and over and over is they're not growing in their relationship with Christ. And the reason they're not growing in their relationship with Christ is they're not part of the body. They're not part of a family. See, the church is here to help us grow in our relationship with Christ. Everything that a church stands for, everything that a church is doing is here to help us grow closer in our Christ-likeness. Everything that we do should help us understand and grow more in our relationship with Christ. Notice there in chapter 3. But I, brothers, I love that. I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even though you are not ready, even now you are not ready, for you are still the flesh. While there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh behaving only in a human way? For when son says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? But servants to whom you believe is the Lord assigned to each. Notice, I planted, Apollos watered, but who gave the growth? Verse 6, God gave the growth. Where is this taking place at? taking place in the local church this is taking place under the preaching of the word of God fellowshipping with the saints singing the hymns of the faith God gives the growth so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth he who plants and he who waters are one each will receive his wages according to his labor for we are God's fellow workers you are God's field you are God's building what makes Growth so possible, I think, is the way that we can grow in our multi-generational relationships. Last week, older men, younger men, older women, younger women, look around. We're not going to do a head count of oldest and youngest and all this in between. Life is about experiencing seasons. Life is about maturing. Life is about thinking you have all the answers at this stage of your life and getting to a point that you wish you wouldn't have thought what you thought back then and wish you could do it over, but guess what? There are no do-overs. All we can do is encourage those that are coming behind us. The church is an example of growing and maturing, not only physically, but spiritually. Notice what the text teaches us. The church is an environment for growth. Yes, we have daily quiet times. Yes, there are things that we do. We have the Spirit abiding in us. We have the Word of God with us. And there are ways that we grow and mature in our faith daily. But we're missing it if we think that God did not design the church to, for our personal growth. This is the arena. This is the place. This is where we gather to grow spiritually. As a young married couple, I can remember sitting there during football season and and we had joined the church. And I'll tell you why I say it this way. When Sheridan and I got married, I didn't really know theologically why. It was more of a practical decision. But when Sheridan and I got married and we moved to where we moved to, we made a commitment. Every time there's something going on at that church, the major services of that church, we're going to go. Now, you could say, well, that's kind of legalistic. Well, it wasn't really legalistic to us. We wanted to have a good marriage. Sharon come out of a good marriage. My family had gone through a divorce. I didn't want to do that. All we knew was that the people that we saw and the people that we admired, the people that seemed to get it, church was very important to them. I made a commitment. I didn't understand the whys, but I'm glad I made this commitment. Whenever the major services go on, we're going to be there. And I can remember every single time Sunday would roll around. Anybody ever been here? I don't have the options you have, though. I have to be here. You're sitting around there on the couch and the, 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 foot, the late football game's about to start and you're like, ah, 
so tired, I work so hard. And every Sunday I'd mind myself, Sharon and I were in our 20s. We know we are going to church. And we, I'd cut off the TV and I'd go to church. I can't say that I remember a whole lot of sermons on Sunday night. I, I can't say that I remember a lot of what we did on Sunday night, but this is what I do remember. Every time I got in that car and went home, I said, I'm glad I came to church Sunday night. It's something about gathering as the body of Christ. Now, I'm not going to sit there and tell you, I went to church on Sunday night, God called me to preach. No, I ain't nothing to do with it. But I will say this, I made a commitment, it has nothing to do with Sunday night, I made a commitment to go to church and I was asking God to grow me into a godly man and to be a godly husband and linked with that commitment and that prayer I lifted up to the Lord, God used me, God changed me, it was through the local church that God grew me. Through small groups, through worship, through being involved by doing, there's something about doing church that allows us to be the church. I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know what's going on, but I do know this. A lot of people are on these spiritual roller coasters. We have good days, we have bad days. We have good days, we have bad days. When you're trying to do it on your own, that's the way your life's going to be. Make a commitment to the family. Make a commitment to the Lord. Identify with the local church. Invest your life in the brothers and sisters in Christ, and God will bless that, and you will grow. Paul said some of us are spiritual infants and we need to be more mature. The Lord assigns and causes this growth. As we sit up under the Word, like I said, I don't remember a lot of outlines growing up. There's not many sermons that I can remember, but I know those sermons caused me to grow and caused me to change. I don't remember the order of services of songs that we sing. I don't know a whole lot of what I did growing up, but I know as I sang and as I worship and I sat under the Word, I began to grow and mature spiritually because it was something that I knew I needed to do. We are His. Notice those words there. For we are God's fellow workers. We are God's field. We are God's building. We're in this together. We are His. We've been bought with a price. And we're together. So we have a sense of togetherness. We have a sense of oneness and unity. It is within a church that we grow. Look at chapter 5. Something that we have in this church that we don't very, very rarely do we think about. What does it mean to be part of a church? What does it mean to belong to somebody? What does it mean to make that commitment? That's at stake now in a lot of our church members and a lot of our church things. A lot of churches are getting away from asking people to make a commitment and just belonging to the church. And it's turned into more just as they're attending. It becomes a number instead of a name. That's a good way to say it. Church attendance becomes a number instead of a name. How many did you have on Sunday morning? Well, we're running a thousand. And you become a number and not a name. A church is a name. Jesus Christ didn't die for numbers. He died for names. And there's something about a name. It's something about when you look around on a Sunday morning and go, it's funny when you're the pastor's wife, we have pastor's wife and pastor's wife around us let share not be to something guess what everybody does i go home every week and say honey next time you're dying of flu or whatever stomach virus you're coming to church where's sharon she's in my office throwing up but she's here why do i say that where's sharon where's sharon where's sharon sharon here sharon not coming sharon's here what about me i'm here I think Sharon could just come to events and y'all didn't even forget I was a pastor. It's like my kids. I always say this. It happens that my kids are 20-something years old. They come in. Where's Sharon? Where's mom? What about dad? But I always get aggravated when she's sick or she can't come to church. And so, you know, it's like, honey, I can't hear everybody. Where's Sharon? Where's Sharon? Where's Sharon? Where's Sharon? Where's Sharon? Where's Sharon? I don't know. She didn't want to come. She's mad. <laughs> because you look for those people, don't you? You look, I'm, I'm the same way. It takes a, depends on if you're, very, if you're very regular and you're very regular if you're attending and you're very regular with your seating, you, I miss you. And I go, where's Kim Schlosser? He is dead middle every Sunday. I mean, I can, never not, I can never not hit Kim. It's just bang right between the eyes every time I look up. 
Where's Kim? I missed him. What church membership does, it's not very popular, makes a lot of people a little nervous, but what church membership does, it gives us support. It gives us protection. It gives us accountability. It gives us discipline. Now think of it this way. If church is a family, we have parents over us, right? And if you let a child just run like it wants to, that child's not going to grow up to be the child that it needs to be. So every structure in, in society has authority over us. Now, authority is not something that we love. Authority is not something that we normally run to. But yet in every element, when you're in school, you, you turn in a test, there's a key. That's authority. If you're working somewhere, you have a, a leadership over you. That's Everywhere in life is authority. But the one place that's missing it today is the local church. And the local church in some circles in our society has become a, a free-for-all morality-wise. We are so afraid to say what we ought to be doing, what we ought not to be doing, that we say nothing and we open up the doors and we just allow the world in the church and we, we want people in our church, we want people to hear the message, but we're missing what the church membership is all about. Being part of a church gives me support, gives me stability, and gives me the protection I need to know that I belong and that I'm in this with you. I don't have the same relationship with everybody in the church that I have with some just because of the demographics of it, but I utilize our deacons as an example. I am accountable. I will back up. As a pastor, I am accountable to this congregation. You know, in, in, in theory, everybody has a boss. I'm accountable as a Baptist church. Remember who we are? We're a Baptist church. We're a local autonomous in theory, in practice, and by our bylaws, I am accountable to the congregation. Well, I don't know everybody the same way. But I feel like because I am part of this church, I'll take the deacons and I'll take our staff, I feel like that I've got support and protection by those men. Let me, let me, let me hear this. Every time I've ever heard of a pastor making very unwise choices as a leader of a church, and he's asked to resign or something happens where he steps down, inevitably what always happens was the leadership goes, we had no idea. I'm a little different. You know me. I'm very transparent. I don't have many secrets. I don't have, sometimes people say to the extreme, I'm almost too transparent. I let people in to my life. Y'all know more about me than sharing wishes you did. but I need that. I think I've got a group of men that over a course of several weeks, if my life wasn't where it needs to be, I think I've got a group of men around me that would say, there's some things in your life that don't need to be the way they are. Several pastors have always told me, you need to have men around you that love you enough that will discipline you and support you when tough get, times get tough. We don't like that in the church, though. It makes us very uncomfortable. But notice, notice 1 Corinthians 5. It has actually been reported among you that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. That's, that's pretty bad, would you say? A man is having a, a, an affair with his father's wife so it would not be his mother but I mean that's something you know probably needs to be discussed I would think that's not a good thing notice verse 2 are you arrogant ought you not rather to mourn let him who has done this be removed from among you for although absent in the body I'm present in the spirit and if I am present I'm already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing when you were assembled in the name of the Lord, now notice when you were assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time we assemble, we assemble in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We assemble in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and my spirit is present with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, 
please circle so right there. So that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Now that's not your typical welcome new member to the church passage you go over. But here's what we need to understand. We live in a world, think about it again, you have to keep this in perspective. The church is a family. The church is a family. The world around us is literally going to hell in a handbasket. Would you not agree with that? I mean, we don't know. I mean, it's just crazy. The things that are going on now in our society that have never been acceptable, even 10 years ago, being acceptable, the one place that we ought to be able to get it right is the church. I'm going to have grandchildren, hopefully. I mean, it's in a positive way. The Lord doesn't, doesn't want my, me to have grandchildren. I'm fine with that. But I'm thinking that I'm going to have grandchildren. I want there to be a place that my grandchildren can grow up in, be nurtured by, and understand the love of God, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the truth of God. It's not going to be in the public schools. It's not going to be in the workplace. It's not going to be in civic organizations. The only place that is going to happen is the church. The church has to be the place that we get it right. If we are a family, as a dad, we have to get it right. We raise our family in a way between right and what is wrong and do what we need to do. We need to love. Some of us, there's, there's balances. I, I go back to our deacons. I, I could sit down and, and go through our deacon ministry because we all sit in the same spot. We're Baptists. Our deacons, we're wired differently. It's almost this idea that grace and truth Need to be a little more loving, need to be a little more tough. Need to be a little bit more loving, need to be a little bit more tough. Need to be a little bit more loving, need to be a little bit more tough. We just need to love the world. We need to tell the world what's right and wrong. There's a balance there. Danny Aiken, the president of Southeastern Seminary, did a, 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 a couples retreat in our church, and he challenged men. He said, men, I want you to do something. I want you not to say no to your children for the rest of the day and the weekend. I said, piece of cake. You know how hard it is for me not to say no? Can we? No. Why? No. Why? I don't care. No. Sharon would always say, well, a more biblical answer may be a little bit more appropriate than just no. <laughs> so then I got real spiritual and said, no, I'm the dad. No. Well, that's, I mean, I can, I can stand. I'm a, um, yeah. Well, that's right. But sometimes it's no because. So we need to be able to say our doors are open to anybody that wants to come and to worship our God on his word and his authority. But we have to be able to say as the body of Christ, we're raising our children, we're raising our families, we're nurturing our couples, we're, we're growing and learning in truth and we have to get that right. The world doesn't want to hear that, but we have to stand on it. And so when we think about being, so here I am, you're, you're, we're church members. Where, what can I find in a good church? Support, protection, accountability, and when necessary, discipline. I'm going to use myself as an example, okay? I'm going to just open, I'm, I'm, I'm transparent, you know me. Pastor one time in a very large church, true story, very large church, left his cell phone sitting on the front pew. He was up preaching mega church. One of the deacons picked up his phone to get it to him. They had 20 or 30 deacons. One of the deacons picked up the phone to give it to him and noticed there was a picture of a teenage girl on there with a, like love words. And the deacon picked it up and looked at it and looked at the pastor and uh, he, his heart just sank and he sat there and swiped the phone and the Senior pastor had had an adulterous relationship with a teenager for months within the church. What did that do to that church? What did that do to the testimony of that church? What did that do to the body of Christ? What did that do to that man and his wife and his family? What did that do to that poor teenager for the rest of her life? 
What if that pastor would have had some people around him and said, you know, at all costs, keep me accountable to following Jesus. To all costs, keep me true to the task. Let me love him. Let me love his word. See, we're afraid to do that in a church because we always get those judgmental fruit inspectors. You know what a fruit inspector is? We're supposed to be bearing fruit. You're not bearing fruit. We're not bearing. We walk around, and I do have a pad because I can't remember anything. We walk around with our little pads taking everybody's name. I saw y'all coming in late for Sunday school. I got it right here. My little list. I got male, female, big, little. I got them a list. You know what? That's what we become. So-and-so wasn't here. So-and-so, I've had that person. So-and-so, I think I saw so-and-so at Walmart on the wine aisle. And I always say jokingly, I'm a a teetotaler. Well, you know, Jesus drank wine. You call me when they're on the Budweiser aisle. (laughs) It's not about that. It's about understanding we need to be able to get it right. There's ways to confront things in the right way. Let's back up and talk about that pastor again. What if there was? I think there had to be people in that church that knew something was going on. What if out of those deacons, what what if out of those deacons, another deacon went to another deacon and said, something's not right here. Something's not right. And instead of saying our pastor would never do that, he could never do something like that. What if a couple of deacons went to that pastor and said, Pastor, we just want to make sure everything's okay. What if that would have happened years ago before he did so, before it became an emotional, before it became, it's amazing what can happen if we realize that we are here to protect one another, to hold each other accountable. And there are times that discipline must take place. Has anybody ever had to discipline a child in a home? Do you enjoy doing it? No, we, we don't understand that when we're a child, but when we become an adult, we get it, don't we? We don't enjoy it. But even in church life, and this has had to happen in ministries I've been involved with, notice what happened in verse 5. We're confronting the sexual immoral person with his dad's wife so that he can realize we're not going to say this is okay. People that love you are looking at you and they're saying, this is not okay. This is never going to be okay. God's never going to bless this. So that he'll repent. Asking this person to get out of the church is not saying, whoo, get him out of here. No, he's a family member. It's like a family member. Sometimes as a family member, there has to be some tough love. But the, the, the reason we do tough love is for restoration. I've had family members tell me that sometimes they just had to, to cut the child off and let them figure out what it is to live on their own so they can figure this out and come back to where they need to be. We may not admit it, but we know we need it. When you belong to a good church, you find that support and that protection. That can Think about our youth group. you got a youth group with 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 kids, and you're all in doing life together. You go to the same school together. You're committed to the youth group together. You're holding each other accountable. You've made a commitment to be part of this youth group. We're supporting that. We're all in this together. What happens when one of those church, one of those youth gets a little sideways? It can very easily happen. When you're in a good, strong youth group, what do you do? You pull them in. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. We're in this together. We're doing life together. We love you enough. We're not going to allow you to do that. Wouldn't it be great if we, if we got that? It's not tattling. It's that you love one another enough that you don't want them to make those unwise choices. Verse 11. We go from support, accountability, protection. Do you know what we do here as a church member you can't do anywhere else? We worship. Now, what is 1 Corinthians 11? It's the Lord's Supper chapter. I think I could lay down my Bible and it could open to 1 Corinthians 11. You think about the Lord's Supper, what that means? Every time we enter into the facility of the worship service on Sunday mornings, we are here to do nothing else but to worship. We worship through song, we worship through giving, we worship through fellowship. I say this not because I'm a preacher. The greatest aspect of worship 
is nothing but the proclamation of the Word of God. That's the most important thing we do, but everything points to that. Our singing prepares us for that. Our fellowship prepares us for that. Everything we do, we are here in the presence of the Lord Jesus. We're here in the presence of God, and we're here to worship Him. There could be days, I've had pastors tell me this before, I've never felt this way, but I have had pastors tell me this before. They were literally getting out of their car, walking up to the steps to the church to get their office and dreading it. Dreading what was about to take place. I went, Lord help us if I ever get to that point. I get excited. I'm always anxious. I'm kind of like Adrian Rogers. This is a good, Adrian Rogers is good with his little pastor thing. He said every sermon he preached, he felt like he, was, he pulled a green banana, a green tomato off the vine there's always that tension I don't know if I'm quite prepared enough you never feel like you have enough time to be prepared as prepared you need to be and what all pastors have that little angst in them that you know are we ready but I've never not enjoyed anticipating not preaching to you not hoping the sermon goes well but to worship I mean that alone should be the driving force of why we want to identify as the body of Christ Look at the Lord's Supper there. But in the following instruction, I do not command because when you come together, when you come together, this is my body which is broken. This is my blood that was shed. This is a, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the new covenant. Notice what's going on here. Do you ever notice about the Lord's Supper? It's kind of silly to think about. I thought about it this week. Nowhere are we commanded to do the Lord's Supper by ourselves. Nowhere are we commanded to do church by ourselves. It's always together. We worship together. Yes, we, we experience the presence of the Lord. We have our own personal devotion. We have our own personal quiet time. We can be riding down the room and Jesus is all in the car with us. Have you ever done that? Want to just stop the car and run around and shout a couple of times? Get back in and take off again? Or that just me? But this is worship. I think, not just because I'm a pastor, it is God's day, at God's place, at God's time. This ought to be on the top of the list. What do what we do? I'm asking Sharon that every weekend. What are we going to do this week? It's funny, though, when you get old, all you, one of the main things you're worried about is what you're going to eat. Isn't that funny? I never used to ask that. I'd be finishing up breakfast. What's for supper? <laughs> the most important thing we do should be, what are we doing at worship Sunday morning at 1045? Kids, it's Saturday, remember, kids, it's Friday, kids, it's Monday, kids, it's Tuesday, kids, everything, number one on the, on the church calendar, number one on the family calendar ought to be worship. Kids, we're going to gather and worship the Lord together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to sit on pews with our family and we're going to worship the Lord together, together. The Lord's about together. Worshiping the Lord together. Romans, Revelation 4, Revelation legend. They're not individuals. They're together worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Support, protection, accountability, discipline. Chapter 11, we have worship. Chapter 12, long chapter. Not going to read it, but I share with you what it says. We are a body made up of different parts, and we do different things. You know how many people, I, I guarantee you if you be honest, as most people be honest, a Christian does not have the joy of purpose. I'm a, I could go to Walmart today and say, uh, total stranger, I'm going to the bread aisle. I'm going to say, you know if you die today, you go to heaven or hell. They, you know, if they say hell, that's a whole different conversation. If they say heaven, I'm going to say, but all right, so you're a believer. Yes, I am. What is your spiritual purpose and fulfillment found in life? I have no idea. That's sad. I have no idea. What are you here for? I'm just waiting on heaven. That's not what it's about. It's about fulfillment. It's about ministry. It's about purpose. It's about accomplishment. It's about who we are created to be as a believer in Christ. What skills, what gifts, what the Lord and talents the Lord has given me to do for His glory and for His kingdom. And here's a little clue. The only way we get it figured out is in here, in the church. I'm going to read verses 4 through 7. I told you I wasn't going to read. I'm going to read verses 4 through 7. 
There are varieties of gifts, but there's the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them in who? Everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Joy likes to put together puzzles. And sometimes in the midst of putting together a puzzle, she'll send me a picture of it. And I always respond back, bah, puzzles drive me crazy. I don't know if I can't sit there long enough. It'd be my luck. I'd finally make a commitment. I'm not getting up from this table until the puzzle's done. And then I'll sit there for five hours to do the puzzle. And about my luck, I'll get done with it and there'll be one piece missing. Not even in the box. Manufacture defect. That would drive me insane. If every one of us has a gift for the common good, if we're not here, if we're not active, if we're not connected to the vine, guess what's missing? A piece of the puzzle. You ever thought about it that way? I asked Chad this morning, you sing or just Nola? Oh, just Nola. Me and Chad might do a special one Sunday. We'll show them, won't it? It's not about how we sound. It's what the spirit we do it in, right? Never been asked to do a choir special. Probably never will. But I'm excited about what I think God has called me to do, and I can do it. Some of the, the most best appreciated workers of the church you'll never see in this building on Sunday morning stand up and be public. But I'm telling you right now, this church will come to a screeching halt without them. And then you think about all that we could do. It's so funny. A lady came to me one time and goes, Pastor, we need a puppet ministry. That's why I got my book. I got in the, toward the end, I got all the stuff people want me to do. So I, puppet ministry. She said, no, I'm not doing it. I don't want to help, but I just thought it'd be good if y'all do it. Oh, okay, I'll put that on the list. We'll just do all these things. We'll do it. We'll get it. Once we realize, you know what, I really don't know. It, it, it's so simple to me. There are spiritual gift inventories. There are questionnaires. Emily came across a, a psychological profiling website. So Emily has profiled every one of my family members. And we had the, the funnest time with that. Pretty accurate, I might say. There are those within a church. There are things that we can take. And it helps us understand what we like. And I'm going to tell you the best way to understand what God is calling you to do. You join a church, you make a church important, and you seek to do church within that church. Volunteer, you serve, you do, and this is what's going to happen. God's going to see your heart. Other people are going to see what God's doing in your life, and it'll be the strangest thing in the world. Somebody's going to ask you to do something you never thought about, and the moment you do it, you knew you should have been doing it all along. That void is in your life because you're not connected to the body. One of the hardest things that churches have is how do we trans move people from the pew to ministry? I don't know. I don't know how to do it efficiently. I don't know other than standing up individually. You know, what will you do? What will you do? Some people want to serve. Some people don't want to serve. Some people want to attend. Some people are waiting to be asked to attend or to, to serve. My, my goal is I want everybody to understand God wants to do something in your life. Church is not about attending. It's about ministry and service and purpose. Real quick, the rest of the chapter, verse 11, we're empowered by one spirit who appoints to each one individually as he wills. God does not make mistakes, by the way. He has saved you and he wants to use you. Body is one, verse 12, many members. Verse 14, for a body does not consist of one, but many. Verse 18, God arranged the members as he chose. Verse 20, many parts, one body. Verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one is honored, all rejoice together. Verse 27, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Last point, look at verse, the last verse of verse 31 of 12. And I will show you the more excellent way. Last point could say the best point 1 Corinthians 13 
When you belong to a church and you've made a commitment to the church, you're going to be together. You're going to have a sense of oneness and unity. You're going to be able to experience spiritual growth, support, protection, accountability, discipline. You're going to be able to worship. You're going to be able to ministry, serve, purpose, accomplishment, fulfillment. But here's what you get when you make a commitment to the Lord, to His church. You're going to get love. But I'm going to show you a more excellent way Verse 13, chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. There are a lot of churches out there that are noisy and clangy. And I don't mean that they're the Lord's church. I'm just saying church. If they're not motivated by love, they're noisy and clangy. If I have prophetic powers and understand all men, I can be the smartest dude on the block. I can be the most faithful person in the church. I can be the hardest worker in the church. If I have all knowledge, if I have all faith, it's to remove mountains. But have not love, I am nothing. If we don't have love, we don't have anything. When we join a church and we make a commitment to the church, we're ending into a love relationship. Think about a family. Look at verse 4. Think about a family. Patient, kind, does not envy, does not boast. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. This is love. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but it rejoices with the truth. That's where that support and discipline and accountability. We love one another so much because Christ first loved us. We love Him. We love His Word. We love one another. Love believes all things. Love bears all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. When you're a part of a church, you understand what love is. We have a love for God. I tell people this, and I, I say this kind of I said this kind of flippantly one day, and it became kind of one of my life sayings. We love God and we love the things that He loves. I'm gonna tell you right now, the Lord Jesus Christ loves his church. We're part of a church because we know Christ loves the church, and this is very important to him. We love God because He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, so that our sins may be forgiven. We love God. We love what God is calling us to do to reach the world. The world is desperately lost without the hope of the gospel. But we also love one another. You know, that's hard to look to your left, look to your right. We need to love. You know how many one another's are in Scripture? We love one another. Love your neighbor in Christ. Love this side of church. I want you to love that side of church. We love one another so much that we want to pray for our church. We're going to give to our church. We're going to attend our church. We're going to be committed to our church, not for me, but for one another. It is patient. It is kind. If you look at this, we love him. We love them. We love one another. Now close with this. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. I can't stand up here and tell you that we're a perfect church because I, I'm not a perfect pastor. And the last time I checked, everybody on our church membership is not perfect either. We're not ever going to be a perfect church. But my prayer is that we're Christ's church. And that once we belong to Christ's church, we have this togetherness and this unity. We have this, this purpose and this meaning in life that we're serving and worshiping the Lord as we're reaching the nations with the gospel. Because we're a church that believes the truth of God's word, we have that support and protection. I'm telling you, if you're, if you're a parent and you have children, you need to find you a Bible-believing church and invest your life in that church because you need your children under the word of God. That support, that accountability. We might not admit this, but I tell you, 
When you're right with the Lord, you understand we also need that discipline that we can need and get in church. But more than anything, as we worship the Lord, we experience His love. His love and His grace is on display every time we gather as the church. Let's stand as we pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the love that you bestowed upon us through the Lord Jesus Christ. As we sing today, as we respond to your word, Lord, I pray that we do so faithfully and obediently. Lord, I pray that as we conclude that we have an assurance of our salvation, but we also have an assurance of our alignment and our commitment to your church, the body of Christ. As we sing, Lord, give us the desire to do what we need to do to please you. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.